You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 50 of 2, 5, and 10. This is a very heartfelt episode for us because this is uh, me and Benny's last episode on different time zones, different coasts, so this is different. But at the same time, I'm very excited because now if I say 6 o'clock, it means 6 o'clock, not 3 o'clock <laughs> your time and the confusion factor. Benny, what up? Episode 50, kind of fitting that we ended on a round number in a sense that, like you said, in two weeks' time, I will be in New York on the eastern in an eastern time zone and we can record and get this stuff published at a suitable hour for everybody and not have to wait on me. No, that, that I think it's been actually... Good delay wise, at least on my end, because I ship it off to you, and I'm like, oh well, if it comes out at one in the morning my time, at least it's there in the morning for them, and it's t- I, I don't know what whatever <laughs> it is, it's been working. We'll see what happens when we uh, switch time zones. Yeah, if it doesn't work out well, maybe I'll go back to California. Why don't you go to like I don't know Uganda or Zimbabwe or something? I heard. <laughs> Pretty nice down there. But um, speaking of going somewhere, I mean, guy didn't go any anywhere but i mean he signed for a little bit longer we had a uh, signing today on zach Lorensky. you want to give us a little info on that benny yeah three-year deal 15 million dollars total for the contract for Lorensky and columbus i uh, what was interesting for me is the third year of his deal his actual salary for that year is seven million dollars even though his cap hit will be five uh so on these shorter term deals it seems like these rfas are wanted to escalate their salaries and not just keep it flat and level across every year of the deal. Because once he hits that $7 million and he's negotiating his new deal, that's the baseline for his next contract. So I can see that as a factor for the remaining restricted free agents. But I think this contract plays a pretty big role in what's going to be happening in Boston with Hamilton. Yeah, I was just about to touch I'm on sorry, with a McAvoy. Yeah, I think the McAvoy-Carlo thing is definitely of substance here because now that you have one guy who's signed for a certain amount, obviously other guys look there. I mean, I'm sure people compare Zach Wierenski and Charlie McAvoy together, kind of in that same ballpark. With that, I mean, we are still concerned as to what it's going to be signing-wise, what it's not going to be. I'm intrigued if we always text back and forth about it, about people holding out or how the dominoes start falling. Is this the domino that kind of gets everything going? I know that both McAvoy and Carlo have been in Boston as of late. With that, I mean, it's definitely promising that they're here. It's not like he's in Long Island and he's still in Colorado saying, I'm not coming out there until. So on that end, promising, but well-earned for Wierenski and great negotiating ploys by Kika Lane in here to say, hey, you know, Give us two years at five, but you know after that you go up and then you get even more big boy money. And I know Columbus wants to commit to him. It's not a question of does Columbus want to give him a deal on the other end. I just think that for them and also having Seth Jones on the books, I think it keeps everything in perspective, which is nice, at least on their end. And I know they've been a little bit of a dumpster fire, but they needed this kid on the ice for sure. Yeah, just kind of to wrap it up, I feel like if he's coming in at $5 million AAV, you can't, if you're Dougie, uh, sorry, I keep thinking about Hamilton because of the Jay Gardner signing, but uh, if you're a Charlie McAvoy, you can't be coming in at $10, $11 million now because you're not twice as good as Zach Wierenski. And if you're Carlo, you can't be asking for anything close to five now. So I think that kind of sets the market for both guys. It's just going to be interesting if, uh, McAvoy is willing to go on a short-term deal like Wierenski just did, or if he still wants that long-term contract. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting on both ends, whether it's going to be two bridges, one long, one short. If I, I don't know. T- TBD, I'm excited. Camp starts this week. Time to get your ass into the GM's office and sign a deal. Like, let's go. Oh, you still have Ratton out, out there. Kachuk's out there. Obviously, Mitch Marner's still out there. Point. I, point's still out there. Like, this is I've never seen it like this before where there's just so many elite-level RFAs still unsigned as camp is about to open. Uh, one random question just regarding all this. 
Do you think now they'll try to push maybe in the next CBA? I know they're still nowhere close in negotiations, but like, do you think they'll try to push rookie deals even longer in a sense? Because these, these kids, every one of them, third year in or second because they burn their first year off their entry level, these kids are already on big boy money and holding out. Like, there has to be some sort of substance for teams to hold on to their players that they've now drafted and committed to. So I wonder if going forward that changes some things coming up here. Yeah, I mean, NHL announced last week that they're not going to be reopening the CBA uh, before it expires. So that's a positive development. I can. That's a whole episode on its own explaining how the CBA and negotiations work there. But I, if I'm the team, I actually prefer paying big money contracts to young guys that are either about to enter their prime or in their prime instead of waiting to sign guys in their age 31 season and then giving them a seven-year deal and ending up with guys like David Clarkson. So I think there's a compromise to be made. Maybe the guys hit unrestricted free agency earlier, but then the ELCs, the uh, burning of the ent- the first year of their ELCs will be delayed somehow. So yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. I think teams are happy where it is, but players probably want to hit free agency sooner. Yeah, so TBD. TBD. Yeah. But now we go to the highlight, the purpose, the thing that Scott is giddy all week for this episode. We have our 2019-2020 NHL season preview. Off-season's over. Summer's over. The talk is now about what's going to happen, and it will give our uh, playoff predictions, Stanley Cup predictions, and of course we're going to give our award predictions, but we kind of tried to make it a little more interesting than just going straight down to ballot in a, in a way and giving our divisions and the playoff picks. Uh, it came out with a few different subjects where each of us are going to give our own predictions and insight into what we think is going to happen, uh, like teams who made the playoffs last year that are most likely to miss, first coach to be fired, first GM to be fire things like that so hopefully uh it's a little more interesting and fun than just hearing two guys talk about the metro division and the atlantic division for 20 minutes and then moving on so uh, with that being said where do you want to start do you want to start out with uh the team who made the playoffs last year that's most likely to miss yeah i like that one let's go there i am going with so I know we just said one, but I kind of, you know, the ADD, I get a little fucked up. So I had to go a little back and forth. So I have one from the Eastern Conference. I have the Columbus Blue Jackets. I know they just signed Zach Wierenski. I just feel like it is tough there right now. Like there's a lot of stuff that's gone on. Not an easy look, not an easy offseason. You lost a lot of talent there. You're going to rely on a couple of guys. If you have any injuries, you're screwed. I just don't like that team currently and then my other team from the western conference specifically to the central division because everybody seemed to get better except them winnipeg i do not see winnipeg making the playoffs this year just very tough all around so those are my two benny who you got so the one i had written down uh for the entire league was i'm on the same page with you with the winnipeg i'm not guaranteeing that they're going to miss the playoffs i think they're just on that eighth the second wild card spot bubble with teams like arizona uh anaheim maybe even like a chicago so for a team that was pretty much ticketed to potentially make the Stanley Cup final last year like you said the central division is just incredibly tough i think they got weaker on the back end uh they're still talented up front they still have some big bodies up there but I think they're severely downgraded into that playoff bubble spot. So it was hard to pick a team out west. Uh, if No, I'll go on a fly here. If I have to pick a team for the Eastern Conference, I think Columbus is an obvious pick. I'm going to go with the Islanders just because not that much has changed outside of losing Robin Leonard, but last year I feel like was one of those years where everything worked out well. Death guys stepped up relatively healthy i don't know if that's going to be the case this year we already went over them in our metro offseason review so i'm going to go with the islanders for the east all right i like it uh 
kind of doing the opposite in this one. Team not in last year's playoffs, but most likely to be in the playoffs this year. Who you got? Florida Panthers. I, I have I, them too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I chose one. Uh, we can do one for each conference if you want. Uh, so since I picked Florida for the East, just Coach Q is there. I think that automatically gives them a bump uh, just because of what he brings to the organization and the team in a room. Obviously, the Bobrovsky addition, if he just plays to his a typical year, that's a drastic improvement in goal for Florida, which was really their only weakness last year. Uh, I think they're ready to take that step forward. And uh, even though they're in the Atlantic Division battling uh, Toronto and Tampa and Boston, I still think they're in a position to get themselves over to hump and at least make one of the all card spots. I agree with that completely. I, I think they're whole team as a whole has gotten a lot better. Obviously, like you said, Bobrovsky and that definitely helps you out because goaltending last year between Reimer and Luongo, not the best look, but hopefully their D end is now solidified with all the additions that they made. And hopefully their guys up front, Huberdo, Barkov can just produce like they have, but now getting them into the playoffs can now give them a different look output and, Obviously, like you said, Coach Q, who, who better to lead the pack? And the one other team I had was Arizona. They, they put a really hard push on last year towards the end, and they got an extra 40 goals with them with Phil Kessel. So obviously that pads the stats a little bit. So that was my team out west. Out west for me on the fly again, I'm going to go Anaheim. I talked to, we talked about this when we went over the Pacific Division uh, summer review. I just love Gibson and goal. I think when you have a franchise goaltender that will cover a lot of warts and they have that in Anaheim, I think the defense is still young and talented, With uh, especially like Manson up front. They have a lot of young guys. If one or two of them can take a step forward, I think they're going to be in a position to battle a team, like I said, like Winnipeg and Arizona for that wild card, second wild card spot. So I'll west go with Anaheim. It's the wildcard spots this year are going to be incredibly fun to watch. I think a lot of the division winners are kind of locked up possibly at this point, but the seeding after those top four teams are going to be, uh, yeah, top four teams are going to be very fun. Oh, it's uh, crazy. Like last year, the Central had five teams in it. Yeah, and then the Pacific got better. So that's why you can see a good team miss the playoffs. It, it happened last year to a couple of them. I know some guys kind of just got. Got it going a little too late and weren't able to make their push, but yeah. yeah what I mean, was Montreal? They finished with the 13th most points, but missed the playoffs. Yeah, I was say 92 <laughs> points or something. So, tough. Very tough. All right. Moving on. The first head coach to be fired in the National Hockey League this year. Maybe not the biggest name. Maybe not the most expected, but who do you got for the first coach to be fired? All right, I, I know we only go after one, but I, I picked four guys, but, <laughs> but but hold on. Two of them, for the, the two and two that I have are picked for the same reasons. Okay. So I have either Bruce Boudreaux or Jeff Blaisdell in Detroit, and okay. I think with the new GMs coming in that I think the leash is going to be pretty tight. So if at any point they think it's not working, I think they're just going to zip them right out. So that's why I picked Boudreaux and Blaisdell. The other two I picked, it might surprise you, but I figured they now have teams behind them. So their leash isn't as long in the sense of now you have people that can actually perform. So I have David Quinn and John Hines as the two others for your team is now better. We expect more. I So I'll comment on... A couple of those. I was kind of on a fence with Blaisdell just because their rebuilding hasn't really... Obviously, we don't know what goes on in a room and everything else like that. But in terms of on-ice product, there hasn't been anything that really stood out to me in terms of, is he a rising star in the coaching ranks? They did just give him that two-year extension. That was pretty much to eliminate that lame duck status entering this season, so he wasn't answering questions about that. So I don't, I don't think that would prevent Detroit from letting him go, especially since Eiserman wasn't the guy that hired him. Uh, so he's definitely on that hot seat. When it comes to Quinn and Hines, 
I agree. The rebuild is pretty much over for both teams. I think, which coach do you think is under more pressure, Hines or Quinn, to win this year? See, I think it's tough. I say Hines because he's been an NHL head coach longer. Okay. I think it's Hines, too, just because they're a little further along in terms of who they have in a roster as proven talent. So even though I think the Rangers are going to be better long-term, and might even be better this year, I think the Devils with Hall and Subban and uh, Heischer and all these guys, if they stumble out of the gate or they just don't get it going at all most of the year, like that's not a good look, especially if you're trying to keep Hall long, long-term. For Quinn, I think he has an extra year unless they just completely bottom out. Um, but yeah, it, he would be on a hot seat if they have a bad year. Boudreaux, I was thinking about him too. I just don't know if he's the problem or if it's just what's given to him. So I could see him getting a little bit longer of a leash. But the, yeah, all four of those guys, I can see like if one thing goes the wrong way, their names are going to be mentioned. Yeah, and then again with Boudreaux too, like obviously Bill Guerin is a GM. I think he understands the coaching part of it as to what a coach yeah. needs to give his players. And it seemed like with Fenton, it was a little bit of a circus at points. So maybe Boudreaux is safe, but I just went with the new GM factor as yeah. a, it just, that's always an easy play. He didn't hire him. He's an easy way to easy guy to push out. And if you're, if Billy Guerin's going to start a rebuild, the instant thing to look at is who has some coaching experience, maybe not as a head coach, in the National Hockey League, but maybe in the minors or an assistant in the NHL that he might have played with or developed a friendship with throughout his playing career, whether that's Team USA or something like that, that's interested in coaching. Those would be the guys I would look at the most. Yeah, I agree completely. And Bill Garrett seems to be one of those guys that everybody speaks highly of and doesn't have anything bad to say. So I think if you got the phone call, you'd go. I don't think it would be a... I have to sit down and think about this. I think you're like, all right, it's on the plane. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I only have one pick for this. This is probably going to go against where you think this team's going to go this year. I got Travis Green. Interesting. Out in Vancouver. All right. So, Give me a little more because I don't see Travis on my radar just because he's been there a couple of years. But, I mean, I think the team has definitely gotten better. I think Benning has brought in some good pieces. So, yeah, I want to hear this. So Travis Green, I think, will be the first first coach fired. He has improved the team his first year. I believe they finished with 75 points. Last year they finished with just over 80. So the arrow is pointing up when you just look at it on paper. Yep. They did bring in a guy like Tyler Myers. Uh, Pedersen might even be better than he was last year. Maybe he put on some weight and now weighs 120 pounds. <laughs> um, so there are... The roster is getting better, which I think puts that pressure on him, especially in a market like Vancouver, where I've been reading some of the local guys. I've been reading a Vancouver B guy on The Athletic. They're not talking about, hey, we're getting better. They're talking about this should be a playoff team, kind of like where you feel Arizona is. And I don't think they're there yet from the outsider point of view. And if they're expecting that, and if the ownership is like, we need to get back in the playoffs, they've been out for the last few years, they're trying to transition after the Sedin era. If Green, who's a rookie coach, head coach in the National Hockey League before he took this job at the Canucks, the team doesn't get going, which I don't, I don't think they're as good as some people make them out to be, I think they might, if the right veteran guy is made available, they could let Green go midseason or towards the end of the year, and make a go of it of uh, a veteran guy just to kind of turn the guys from the rebuild and young guys with potential into, okay, now talk's over, let's get this shit going. That's very interesting. I I didn't have him on my radar just because, like I said, I mean, I feel like the team's better on paper, obviously. People have to perform or not jobs get lost. That's how life works, not just the NHL. But... uh that's interesting. We'll have to watch Travis Green throughout the year. Yeah, I also wanted to make a pick that might be a little off the beaten path. So if I am right, I look even better. Venster <laughs> <laughs> Thomas at his finest. Um, the last bad news to be delivered would be who we think the first GM to be fired will be. 
I'll let you go first since you probably have six names only, in different tiers of GMs to be fired. But only three. <laughs> I have Kevin Shovel Day off in Winnipeg. I just feel like mm-hmm. it's been very ugly up there. Not really anything going right. Not really moving in the right direction. Kind of taking a step back this year. You still need to sign Lina. You still need to sign Connor. Whole bunch of rumors coming out that. Line A doesn't want to go back to Winnipeg. If you lose your star, you're probably gone. That's just kind of the way I feel about it. I feel like Paul Maurice behind the bench has done a very good job for him, so I don't think it's Paul Maurice's. Like, I don't think he wears it, so I think it would be more the GM and Shevel Day off. Uh, Next one would be Rob Blake in L.A. I know he is looked upon there very highly. He's done a lot of good job with development and trying to make these guys come up from within but this is another one where the roster just doesn't look good just don't like the roster i don't like the way it looks so me that would be another guy and the last guy i have here granted he made a move today but i still feel like he wears the egg on his face after going all in and it not working out and now having nothing to prove for it yarmo kikalainen in columbus i just feel his protection blanket, too, is now left in John Davidson. John Davidson's in New York now. Those guys have been together forever. I just feel like on the comfort end of things, if he's looking for someone that's going to be there to pick him up, kind of, I don't know. I, I just, I'm trying to figure out the way to say it. Those two have been together St. St. Louis. So now yeah. with Davidson gone, if the pressure comes down, I don't feel like JD can say, don't blame Yarmo. I just feel yeah, like now he, it he goes straight to him. Yeah, exactly. He, he <laughs> lost his muscle. That's all. Uh, is that in order of who is on a hot seat the most or just you threw him out there? Uh, I just kind of kind of stacked them that way. But, okay. um, yeah, no, not, not in any specific order. If Kekalina gets fired, I think he's a number one candidate for any GM opening. I think... I love that he, we both love that he went all in. It didn't work out in the end, but I'd rather have a guy like that than a guy that sits on his hands for four fucking years. The Rob Blake one is interesting. The rebuild really isn't doing anything in LA. Like, it's pretty much the same roster outside of one or two. The already might make the roster this year uh, that they had last year. He brought McClellan, which is a coach that you don't bring in if you're expecting a four-year rebuild, but he hasn't done anything to turn the actual roster around. So I don't know if they think this talent is there in L.A. or it's just the coaching that wasn't good enough or if they... Yeah, I'm just not sure what the direction they're going in, and that starts with Blake, so that's a good choice there. Well, well thank you, Benjamin. I appreciate your <laughs> input. Uh, for me, the GM that I think will be fired first, and I, I can get into this a little bit more when we go into the divisional predictions, Mark Bergevin. Oh, and they love him up there. Well, they loved him, and now they hate him up there. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he won big in the Max Domi deal. They were a surprise team last year, finished with 92 or 93 points. I just think that kind of set him up for failure because that. I think they're going to have a little bit of a regression this year, and any form of regression in Montreal is met with pitchforks. And I don't think Julian's going to get the axe he might when a new GM is brought in, but I think Bergevin kind of is wearing it a little bit recently. And if they regress like I think they will, the fan base is going to want someone's head. And I think when it comes between him or Julian, it's going to be Bergevin. Yeah, I mean, and they gave Julian a huge extension. Well, not an extension. Where he got gas from the Bruins, but then they signed yeah. him. I think it was like five years right from the get-go, so... He still have three years left up there. Yeah, and he's French. So <laughs> when they fire Claude, they'll just bring Michel Therrien <laughs> back. So it'll be the Terry and Julian circle for the next, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah, can imagine that happens again. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last one of these, a little bit, a little side categories. The biggest name to be traded at the deadline. Maybe not the most impactful, maybe not the best player to be dealt. But in my mind, I kind of took it as the biggest name to be traded at the deadline. Who do you got? I have just because I it obviously it all depends on where teams are. 
Like, yeah. you know, if teams are in a playoff spot, they're not really going to be trading away big names. It'll be people who aren't there. One person I have, depending on where you guys are, is Chris Kreider. Because if you don't get an extension done with him, I do think that they will try to move him to get something for him, and you will definitely get something for him. There's no question about that. Another person I see is right across the river, Taylor Hall. If you know he's not re-signing long-term, ship him off at the deadline to get something for him. Like, I understand the whole generational player thing, and it's hard to come across guys. But at the same time, if you already know they're not going to re-sign a la Artemi Panarin, a la Sergei Bobrovsky, get something for him. Because I you think... You don't want a Tavares. <laughs> you don't want a Tavares, yeah. And I think, unfortunately for the league... That's the way everyone's looking at it because you don't want to get burned in the end. And that's the hardest part. And I'll give you a defenseman, too, who might be on the move. Jake Muzzin. I think if Toronto is on that cusp, I think they ship him out. So what, so you think if they're having a down year as relative to the expectations, they might ship him out? Correct. I mean, unrestricted at the end of the year. And... I don't know if they'll be able to keep everyone together there. So with that, if it's not looking too good, what did they get for Muzzin or what did they get Muzzin for? They got him relatively cheap, no? Yeah, I think it was like two two seconds, two right? Prospects or something like that, or in a couple of picks or something. Yeah, so I mean, if they could trade something and get something. I, I don't see Toronto shitting the bed, though, by any means. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. But those are a couple of guys in my mind. If just you know they're not going to resign, that's who it would be. Because if it came down to Tyson Barry or Jake Muzzin, who you'd rather have, I'm going Tyson Barry. So ship out yeah. Muzzin and try to sign Barry. Um, and then you still need to sign Riley long term in a couple of summers. Uh, so Muzzin was traded to Toronto for Carl Grundstrom, Sean Dursey, and a first round pick. Oh, it was a first. All right, not a second. So uh, with the Kreider thing. I've kind of talked about this all summer. I they can't trade. I'm glad they didn't trade him at the draft. You got to enter the season with them and see where your team goes. If they're in the playoffs, Kreider lives for the playoffs. Agreed. He's the perfect body for it, perfect skill set for it. He's proven himself before. If they're on that bubble or if they aren't going to make the playoffs, aren't going to make a run for the playoffs, and the thing is what he wants. I think the Rangers are very willing to give him six, seven million dollars a year for like a four or five year deal because he's going to be in his age 29 season. They probably don't want to pay him until he's 36 years old, 37 years old. If he's willing to sign like a Kevin Shattenkirk type deal, I think his the odds of him staying in New York long term are much better. If he wants a Kevin Hayes deal, then he's not going to be in New York next year, which is pretty shitty because with him in tow our top six is pretty damn good um so that's my hope and is that that becomes all moot i i'm not spreading rumors or anything i have no inside trader i'm just saying that if it's not going good and he doesn't have an extension by then i do think he'll be moved maybe i mean i don't think you guys have enough in the system anymore at this point but another trade deadline deal where you guys get a top six winger from us <laughs> another boston guy back home we'll see we'll see um, so I have one that I think stood out to me the most, and then I have one that came to my mind as you were going through the whole Taylor Hall situation and where nobody wants another John Tavares. My first pick is Zach Parisi. Oh, okay. So there were some rumors that the Wilds were in trade talks this past summer to move him, and I'm assuming that's going to involve them eating a significant amount of the money that's remaining on his deal but with him and Suter still there Devin Dubnik still there you can't really rebuild which is why that Eric Stahl extension if you're looking to kind of turn over a new leaf is so short-sighted and I know that was made by Fenton and that's probably one of the reasons why he's let go but you need to start breaking up that core and the core is Suter and Parisi and I don't think they're going to be moving Suter I think mainly because there's more trade interest in a guy like Parisi. And I think if he's being, if he's able to be moved at the deadline, that's somebody that, out of playing in his home state, 
he doesn't have the pressure of that big deal in the sense that the team that he's traded to gave him that. So the pressure might be off a little bit from the fan base. He'd be joining a playoff team where he might be a second-line forward and not the franchise forward. I can see him making a pretty significant impact, not only in name recognition, but on the ice. The one that came to my mind when you were talking about the Terrell Hall situation is Matt Barzell. You think they trade him? I think Lou has proven over his career he has no emotion. He's like the Belichick of the National Hockey League, and he is not going to go through another situation where they lose a young, potential number one or franchise center for nothing in free agency because he has no interest in going. So I think if there's a chance if he's not signed to an extension by the deadline, which would be interesting because... RFAs aren't even signing before the entire season starts next year. Um, he might entertain some offers. So that's kind of a long shot one, but I think in terms of if I have to put money down, I'd put money on Parisi being the biggest name dealt. All right. Ben Stradamus strikes again. <laughs> um, so with that added away, I think we could start out with our division standings predictions. We can just kind of go through and list in order how we think each division will finish. And then if we have any comments, we can go back and forth or whatever. But, um, and then from there, we can go to our conference final pick, our Stanley Cup pick, and our champion. All right. Uh, which division do you want to start at? Uh, let's start out west, just because both our, bo- both our teams are in the east. Um, let's go with the Pacific. Who All you got? Right. I have Calgary on top. I have Vegas behind them. I know we disagreed about Vegas and during the uh, Pacific preview, but I just think that compared to the other teams, that's kind of where they are at number two. Filling in, I kind of did it on the fly. I could probably redo it. Um, There's no redoing. This is it. Set in stone. Oh, fuck. See, this, th- <laughs> this, was like, this was the hardest part for me. I put Arizona at three. Ooh, okay. See, that's why it's like it's tough for me. I put Arizona at three, Edmonton at four. I think that McDavid is going to give them everything he has this year, and it should hopefully be enough for him to get them in the playoffs. Hopefully. No guarantees. Uh, San Jose at five. Wow, okay. Anaheim at six, Vancouver at seven, LA at eight. Okay, I... The only shocking thing there is San Jose at fifth, even behind Edmonton for me. And, yeah, we have our questions about San Jose and if they have built for the long haul here, especially after losing another forward up front in Pravelski. So, I like it. I like you going out on a little bit of a limb there. I like it. Yeah, I had to change it up and just looking at him like, in the preview, I was not very high on San Jose. I didn't like the direction. I didn't like the term. I didn't like some of the players. I'm not going to sit here and say, I hate the way this team looks. They're third. Like I said, they were going to drop. <laughs> I don't think they make the playoffs this year. Wow. Okay. So even more than Winnipeg, they had a little bit of a downfall this year. Yep. Um, for me, Calgary, division winner. I got Vegas second. I still have San Jose third just because I think their photo group is just that talented where over the course of an 82-game season, they play enough trash teams where they can pick up enough points that way. When it, they're in trouble when it comes to playoff time, in my eyes. Okay. Arizona fourth, Anaheim fifth, Vancouver sixth, Edmonton seventh, LA eighth. Wow. I think Edmonton is barely above dumpster fire at this point. I think Vancouver... Just by being in a div- if they were in any other division, they'd be in last place in any other division except for maybe the Atlantic. Um, and I just think Anaheim, Arizona, they're both going to have very good years. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if this is the year they overtake San Jose or Vegas. If it happens, that would be awesome just because I like seeing new blood in the playoffs. Uh, kind of seen some craziness going on. I just don't have it in my gut to pick one of them over San Jose just yet. All right. All right. Fair enough. And, I mean, that's understandable, too. So, Yeah, I know that's your very passive way of calling me a pussy, but... No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's your dedication to mutter, you twat. <laughs> uh, moving on, Central Division. Uh, 
you can go. I know you have uh, your your love. Your heart is in Nashville, but I'll let you go. My heart is always in Nashville. Number one, Predators. I think where my rankings are, they might surprise you a little bit. Okay. Number two, Colorado Avalanche. Okay. Number three, Dallas Stars. Okay. Number four, St. Louis Blues. In the playoffs, fourth in the division, they get a wild card spot. They make it to the dance. Okay. Fifth, Winnipeg. Six, Chicago. Seven, Minnesota. I can't really go against or debate you much on that just because I am also very high on both Colorado and Dallas. I'm going to give the nod to Nashville for the division title. I got St. Louis finishing second, even though that Stanley Cup hangover is sitting right there for him. I got Colorado third, Dallas fourth. So basically just slide up St. Louis and then we have the same top four. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Winnipeg fifth. I have Minnesota sixth and Chicago seventh. If Chicago finishes seventh, do you think they fire uh, whatever his name is behind the bench there, the guy that's younger than us? Carlton. Yeah, Carlton. Uh, I I think you might survive. I think Bowman might get the axe. Ah, uh, all right, maybe that's the first GM to go. TBD. Yeah. So just I feel like Minnesota and Chicago were interchangeable to me. I just feel like Minnesota has more. I still think they just have more talent on a roster than Chicago, especially on the back end. That and they have Boudreau. I It's weird. I feel like Minnesota should be competing for a freaking division title, but they're going to finish second to last to last place just because of off ice stuff and injuries. So, pretty disappointing window that they had there in Minnesota, where they should be winning title uh, division titles, but they can't even make the playoffs. But they did bring um, in the Miracle Man and Matt Zuccarello, so there's always a chance, pal. Um, but yeah, pretty much on the same page when it comes to the Central Division. Uh, who do you got as the number one seed? Let's throw that in there. Nashville or Calgary? Calgary. I, I think Calgary pulls it out as a number one again. All right. I got Nashville just because they have the advantage in goal. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, let's go to We'll go to the Metro. We'll save you boys for last. Uh, who do you got? I have number one Washington, I guess, after the preview to be expected. Um, (laughs) Number two, I know you think it was lightning in a bottle. I think they're actually pretty good. I like the lineup, the New York Islanders. I have the Pittsburgh Penguins at three. The Carolina Hurricanes at four. I have the Devils at five, just ahead of you guys at six. And then Philly and Columbus. Okay. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I would not be surprised if the Rangers finish 5th, 6th, 7th. I think they might be, I could see them making a run for a wild card spot, but I I think next year is the year they fully make that move. Um, for me, Washington, like you said, based on our, pre, our review last week, not very surprising at all. So I got Capitals in the division. I have the Flyers finishing second. Wow, okay. Give me more. Uh, I just think AV is going to elevate their forward group. I think their top three centers are some of the best in the Eastern Conference. We have Patrick, Gachuria, and Hayes. I think they have good depth on the wings. I think their defense is their weak spot, but it's slightly improved from last year. And all they need is their everybody except for Morin and Provorov to just have solid years and they'll be fine like they just need average and they'll be fine and i think i'm buying it to heart and goal and that he's a actual number one he may not be a franchise guy but i think he's a number one so i got philly going there i got pittsburgh third just because of crosby and malkin and Latang. i got carolina fourth i think they're in for a little bit of regression i still don't like that they didn't solve their goaltending issues and even though they brought in jake gardner it sounds like they're about to trade Falk to Anaheim, so it basically nullifies that addition. I think Falk is better anyway. I got the Rangers fifth, Islanders sixth, Devils seventh, Columbus eighth. I'm very interested with that Philadelphia one. I want to see how that plays out because yeah. I, I agree I'm with you. I mean, in, but. No, I mean, it's one of those things of if Carter Hart can't perform, and like you said about the centers – the D's better. 
they should be better. So it, yeah. it's very interesting to see how it falls out. Yeah, I got. I have Carolina and the Rangers on that bubble. I think the Islanders have the South. So I have the Metro Division. Every team is not going to be in the basement of the league in the sense that even Columbus, who I have finishing last, I think is talented enough to still be four or five spots out of last in the conference. So I think even if you're a Devils fan or you're an Islanders fan and you're like, how how are we finishing sixth and seventh? I still think you guys are going to end up better than the bottom half of the entire Atlantic division. So I just, it's the order that's kind of jumbled, but yeah, that's where I got for the Metro. We'll go over to the Atlantic with your boys. Still some names up in the air there, but who do you got? I have Tampa Bay in first. I still have the Bruins in second. I think that they'll get all of this taken care of, and that same team will be there. I have Toronto in third. Your Panthers in fourth, getting a wild card spot. Uh, Buffalo at five. Montreal at six. My boys, the Ottawa Senators at seven, and your boys, the Red Wings at eight. Yeah, we got to figure out what that bet is between the Red Wings and the Senators for this year. Um, my my question to you is: Could you see in any way Tampa Bay not winning this division? No, I, I think yeah. Tampa runs away with it. I think you could flip flop Toronto and Boston in two and three. I think either way, those guys stay there. I think Florida and Buffalo should be interesting to see where they end up. And yet again, I mean, we said it in the preview where I did, like, I have no idea what to expect from Montreal, especially considering last year I had no idea what to expect and they just missed the playoffs. Yeah. And this year, I mean, I have no idea what to expect and they could be in the playoffs. So very interesting to see how it plays out in the Atlantic. When it comes to Tampa, I saw this on NHL, uh, their Instagram page, because both Tampa and Kucherov finished with 128 points last year. Who gets more points this season? Tampa as a team or Kucherov? Ooh. Kucherov. Going Kucherov. All right. I like it. Um, so for me, Atlantic Division, I got Buffalo winning the division. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I was going to say, now we're talking. <laughs> Uh, Tampa Bay winning division, head and shoulders above everybody else. I have Toronto in second. Uh, I have the Panthers in third. I have Boston in fourth. And I can already feel the eggs and tomatoes being tossed at me by Stratford and Mainzy and everybody else. I have Buffalo in fifth, Montreal in sixth, Detroit seventh, Ottawa eighth. Go ahead and flame away with your questions. Do you think Florida is that good to make that jump? I think they're ready to make a jump, and I just there's just something about because I stay in, in touch with kind of what the, what's going on around the Bruins because of you and also uh, who I follow on Twitter and the B guys and everything. I just feel like with the Carlo and the McAvoy situation, with the health issues that apparently Char and Bergeron are still facing, it came out yesterday and today where they're still not completely healed and. Uh, especially with the groin of Bergeron, the long playoff run last year that took a toll on everybody, and I just think the bottom six isn't as strong as it should be, that over the course of an 82-game season, they might have to pull the reins back a little bit, they might have to rest a few guys, uh, they might have to wait to the deadline to add to the depth, so it might take a little bit for them to get going. But when it comes to playoff time, I would not want to be playing the Bruins. Yeah, I was going to say a wild card spot against the Bruins. Probably not a good thing. Yeah. So I don't know if you have this readily in front of you, but I feel like we can just list our eight teams that make the playoffs from each conference, and then that can segue into our conference final pick. I do not, but I do have a list in front of me. So, All right. So I, you want me to go first just to give you time? Yeah, you, you go first. I mean, I, I have the East and West separated, so I could definitely just rattle them okay. off too. So I'm good. Yeah, all right. So my – my eight teams in the East, I got Washington, Philly, and Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Florida, Boston with the first wild card, and Carolina with the second wild card. Finishing in ninth, just on a bubble, I had the Rangers. Um, 
Out west, I have Nashville, St. Louis, and Colorado. Calgary, Vegas, and San Jose. The first wild card goes to Dallas. The second wild card, I was waffling back and forth. I'm going to go with Arizona as well. Winnipeg finishes ninth. All right. Uh, in the east, I have Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Washington, New York, Pittsburgh as the three from each. I have Florida as... I'm going to say wild card two. Carolina is wild card one. Going to the west, Nashville, Colorado, Dallas, Calgary, Vegas, Arizona. I have St. Louis as wild card one, and I have Edmonton as wild card two. All right. I, I love your Edmonton pick just because it's ballsy. I'm not saying, like, maybe it'll be Ken, uh, Kevin Stradamus after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. TBT. Uh, so that being said, I know the NHL playoff format, I can't stand it in top three wild cards, all that stuff, because it messes up the bracketing and the reseeding. But when it comes to the conference final picks, keeping that in mind, who do you have for the East and who do you have for the Western conference finals? All right. For the East, I am split on one team. Well, two teams, but they're playing the New York Islanders. I either have the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Islanders. Um, wow. I know. I, I was, dude, I was looking at it and the way it was set up. And for whatever reason, I just have the Islanders getting that far. I know we talked about the goaltending. I like Trotz's system. I like the depth on the roster. I like. The forwards that they're bringing back, I think they're able to get there. I think they actually bring in a D-man, too, at the deadline to really solidify them. And Boychuk will be back at some point, hopefully. Yes. So, I, I, for whatever reason, I like the Islanders, and that is not me. So, uh, let it all rain down. Um, I, I was on the fence with Tampa Bay or Toronto. It was tough for me. I feel like they got to get through that series. I guess I'll say Tampa Bay now looking at it. I think Tampa Bay, if, if whatever they get in the first round, I think then they'll beat Toronto at some point. Going out west, I have Calgary versus Colorado in the conference finals. I, I, dude, I love I love these picks. Just, I, I really like Calgary. I think they're an absolute squad up there. Um, obviously, once his Kachuk comes back, that's going to be squared away rather shortly. I really like that, and I just really like the direction that Colorado's going and mm-hmm. I might even say they could be the Stanley cup champion. A little bit bittersweet to not pick Nashville in a conference final. It hurt. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it hurt. Um, it's crazy though, too, because I'm going on a feeling. I mean, Nashville stacked the, they yeah. could win the cup. So it's like, it was just one of those things I was kind of looking and the way people would play each other and so on and so forth that I just thought that Colorado and Calgary would end up there. So That would be a fun series. I think it would be wide open, especially after last year, how it ended with Colorado and Calgary in the first round. So will it be redemption or will it be the young kids going by him again? All right. Well, my picks are going to be boring as shit and compared to what you just put out there. <laughs> uh <laughs> In the East, I got the top two seeds, Tampa versus Washington. I think Tampa, they hopefully learned a little bit from last year. I think they're just too talented to at least not make the conference final with this group of guys. I think Washington, this is the last year of their legitimate cup contending window. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I just think when it comes to the Metro Division, there is a good number of average to above average teams for this season but i don't feel i feel like i can pick out one glaring weakness that each of those teams has that washington might face in the playoffs that washington has an advantage in Uh, next year that's all up for grabs but this year i still think washington is able to pull out of the metro bracket so i have tampa versus washington there in the west i had the vegas golden knights upsetting calgary in the second round and facing the Nashville Predators, I think it's Gary Bettman's wet dream to have three markets in the conference final being Tampa, Nashville, and Vegas, but that's what I got. Oh, expansion, expansion. <laughs> so that being said, who's your, who are you facing, who's facing each other in the Stanley Cup final, and who's the winner? And how many games, too? All right. 
I have heartbreak again for the Tampa Bay Lightning playing the Calgary Flames in the Stanley Cup, losing in oh. game six. I just Is that Calgary is that Canada's first cup since the Canadians? Canada's first cup since the Canadians. I just really like Calgary. I I think they're a very strong team. I know we discussed the goaltending and how we didn't think Can't it was good it. enough. Future Stanley Cup champ. I think he pulls a rabbit right out of his ass and just here you go, you want a trick? Here's a rabbit. He hits stride at the perfect time and they're gonna take off and I think they win it. I mean, I th- I am a fan of Cam Talbot. I think last year in Edmonton was an aberration. I think he's a much better goaltender than what he showed. Um, going back to his time in New York when Lundqvist missed a lot of games, I think he's uh, he's not a franchise guy. He may not be in a, an above-average number one, but there's been worse goaltenders to make deep playoff runs. So I think that swap of Smith for Talbot is a big win in my eyes, for Calgary. Um, so, yeah, I think Calgary has a talent, man. I just don't know. I, I like Vegas a little bit too much, probably. But, yeah. So, for me, when it comes to my Stanley Cup final matchup, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the National Predators. Again, another boring pick. Another Gary Batman wet dream. I have Tampa Bay winning in seven games. I'm going to go triple OT winner. Ryan McDonough. I should have expected the McDonough pick. I should have expected it. <laughs> I would have given it to Cali if he was still alive. But <laughs> uh, it, It's just like one of those things where any of those teams we've listed I think could be there. I think yeah. Tampa Bay could be there. I think Nashville could be there. I think Calgary could be there. Like We have to play a season. That That's the craziest part about all this shit. Like, it always drives me crazy because it's like looking at paper like, oh, so-and-so so good, so-and-so got better, blah, blah, blah. And then you play the season and you're like, wow, Buffalo had it. They sucked. Like, yeah. Florida had it. They had Coach Q. They didn't even make the playoffs. Like, I feel like there's so many things that could happen which make it crazy. You know what I'm – I know this is way getting ahead of myself here because I can't wait for this season to start. But can – I can't wait. Because I think a few of these teams are just one year away from being like legitimate contenders. I can't wait until the 2020-21 season when Dallas and Colorado, Anaheim, Arizona, the Rangers, the Devils, Florida, Toronto, like Buffalo, are all ready to turn that corner. And then we get new blood maybe at, at top of these conferences for a few handful of years here. And I think it'll be awesome if, like you said, next year when... I do think everyone's going to get better another year under the belt that they could just completely fuck the playoffs up and just yeah. completely run in there. You have parity like you haven't seen in years. You jump on someone's bandwagon and hope that they make it like, I think that shit's awesome. I love seeing new markets in the playoffs or people who haven't made it in a while get to the playoffs. Cause once you get there, it's how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Yeah. Well, and then, if the Arizona Coyotes really want to turn a corner, they need to go back to their original uniforms, which they let Kessel wear in his intro press conference. Oh, I agree completely. They need to go back to the desert, yeah. dog. Um, all right. So those those are our Stanley Cup picks. You got Calgary over Tampa. I got Tampa over Nashville. We'll see what happens there. And I think to wrap it up, we'll go to next offseason, at least to the Vegas award show. Uh I, we have our picks for the Jack Adams, the Hart, the Vezina, the Norris, and the Calder trophies. Uh, let's go down a list here. Who you got for Jack Adams uh, for this season? Jack Adams, I have Coach Q. I think if he can get them to the playoffs, I think he wins it. And then I also have kind of like asterisks, Hines okay. or Quinn. If they can get either the Devils or the Rangers to the playoffs, I think they win it. Okay. Uh, who do you have for the Hart trophy? I have the heart of the league next year coming from Calgary, so maybe that's why I was on him so hard. I got Johnny Hockey. I think he goes in there next year and he completely blows it up. All right. Who do you got for Vezina? Contract year, Braden Holpe. I think he is unreal for them in the pipes this year in the regular season. All right. Uh, Norris. Victor Hedman. I think last year he had a very good year. Uh, Nothing against Mark Giordano. I just don't think Giordano can put up those numbers again. I think Victor Hedman's right there. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Hedman gets it. 
Do you think he might get penalized a bit because of how talented the team is, and then he also has McDonough in a in a top three? Yeah, absolutely. I think he does. I mean, he probably gets assists just from, hey, I got a secondary assist because it went from Hedman to Stamkos to Kucherov. But hey, we'll take it, right? Yeah. Um, who do you got for Calder? Uh, well, right before the Calder, I'll say this. I do think Hedman's defensive game also helps him there because he's not just an offensive guy. He is no defensive slouch. He, he's really good defensively. Yeah, I think Carlson winning it a few years back kind of was the thing that tilted the voters' minds because – he was not worthy of the Norris when he won it. I do love Johnny Carlson, too. That's a discussion for another day. Calder Cup trophy winner, Kale McCarr. I saw the way the kid came on in the playoffs. I think he's going to take right off. Him and Samuel Girard are going to have crazy years, and they are going to take Colorado places that they haven't been in a long time. I, I like it. All right. Jack Adams for me. I got Ralph Kruger in Buffalo. Oh, you think he turns it around? All right. So I don't. I'm not picking them to make the playoffs. I think that they have, because the expectations is so low for this team that any semblance of a competent day in and day out operation for the Sabers is going to be a win. And I think he gets them in. A, I think they're in wild card contention late into the season. I still think they finish behind the Rangers and the Hurricanes and probably even the Devils. But I still. Just the fact that they're in contention for as long as they are and the team or arrows will be pointing up uh, that Kruger gets them not there. For the Vezina, I got John Gibson in Anaheim. I think he's the next great goaltender in this league if he isn't considered one already. Um, if he was playing on the East Coast or in a major media market, he would be the face of the league like a Carey Price or a Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, for the Norris, I got Roman Josie in Nashville. I... Pretty much enough set there. He's going to be the best defenseman on, in my mind, the best team in our Western Conference in a regular season. So he gets a nod there. The Calder, I got Capacaco in New York. Uh, Shocker. I know. <laughs> I know. But if, it's, if his play in the Traverse City tournament today is any indication, he's going to finish with 400 goals this season. Um, <laughs> I think it's – I had McCarr as a very close second. I think Hughes just isn't big enough yet to make a significant impact. I think he's going to be a good rookie. I just think he's in that next tier behind Kako and McCarr. When it comes to the heart, my surprise team in the Atlantic finishing above the Bruins, I got Alexander Barkoff. Hey, I mean, I, I'd be happy if he finally got the recognition he deserves. So. Not over – I think he had 96 points, he had over 95 last year, franchise center, number one guy, plays in every situation for the Panthers. Except the they're full fi- stadium. <laughs> yeah. They uh, finally got a coach that's going to bring the best out of everybody, which means more media attention, which means now that they're going to make the playoffs, he's going to get seen on a national stage. And like you said, he's finally going to get to do that he's earned, even as a 24-year-old. So I got Barkoff winning his first Hart Trophy. I like it. But yeah, those are our picks. How do you feel, man? I don't know. Are you ready? I'm not ready. I like. I'm pumped up. I saw the thing today. Of, it was one of those memes. It was like, oh, hey, that's great. Football started last night, but do you know there's 25 days until real hockey? So I started <laughs> laughing when I saw it. I mean, for us, I'm on a road starting this coming Sunday. They were recording on Monday the 9th. I'm on a road for the next two weeks as me and the first lady make our road trip all the way from San Francisco to New York City. So it's really up to you, Kev, what you want to do these next two weeks. You can savor it, take it off. You can have special guests on. You can, can if you're able to get some interviews done, we can pre-record those and air those. But, yeah, and by the time I come back, regular season's about to start. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a fun two weeks now that I get uh, my hands completely on the controls here. So this will be uh, a... <laughs> Whether it's good or bad, no, um, I already had a couple people reach out. They were willing to be uh, special guests. Uh, We are working on those interviews, so hopefully we can get those this week before you go so you can be with me during the interviews. And um, I don't get Wally Pipps, I'm fine. I don't want to come back and then I'm out of a job. No, no, no. I mean, you know, I didn't say it was tryouts. I just said that a couple (laughs) people said they wanted to come on. That's all. Um, Before we go... Uh, I don't know if I have anything else to add, but I do have a couple today in initial history. Oh, let's hear them. 
All right. So the first one is today, September 9th, 1997, Mario Lemieux is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he is the third player in NHL history to be inducted where the Hall of Fame waves the three-year waiting period, joining Gordie Howe and Bobby Orr. But just like Gordie Howe, Lemieux later returns and comes out of retirement after being inducted. The only two players to be active Hall of Famers and active players at the same time. In 2013, Mika Kiprasov, the 2005 Vezina Trophy winner with the Flames, announces his retirement. He was originally a fifth-round pick, number 116, by the San Jose Sharks in 1995. Just proven again that the Sharks have been developing and churning out NHL players for over two decades now. And last but not least, today, last year, the Montreal Canadiens traded Captain Max Pacioretty to the Vegas Golden Knights for Thomas Totar, Nick Suzuki, and a second-round pick in the 2019 NHL draft. Well, I'll go for shout-outs first this week, because I have a feeling yours might be a little longer than mine this week. But um, I had a phenomenal weekend. I, I went out Saturday morning to a USA Hockey referee seminar. I'm going to start refing a couple of games. And, dude, it is not the hockey that we grew up with where <laughs> finish your check or this, that, the other thing. Like, any late or unsuspecting hit is penalized. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be a good ref, to be honest, as to what I think is good or bad. And then yeah, I think the coach would be having to deal with the parents. Oh, I, I could give a shit less. Like, they, they don't rattle me. I'm not afraid of them. So that is what it is. But the other thing that fucked me up was the USA Hockey uh, offsides. So, me and you growing up, the normal offsides is if you bring the puck in over the line with somebody else touching it, offside, right outside the zone. Um, USA Hockey now does no longer give you the zone. So, if I went to hit you with the breakaway pass and I had it from behind my dot in my own offensive zone, but when you went to corral it, you were offside, that puck doesn't come right outside the blue line. That goes all the way back to my own zone, to my dot, because I hadn't gained those dots yet, and they don't give you forward progression because you didn't oh, wow. deserve it possession-wise. I was sitting there, and I'm like, what? Like, I'm, like, raising my hand. I'm like, so you're trying to tell me that, like, oh, did you not do your online modules yet? I'm like, no, but hold on. You're trying to tell me that, I like. I played hockey my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I feel like I was missing something here. But um, that was my Saturday morning. Went on ice. The on ice thing was pretty cool. Um. I will give credit where credit's due. I thought that they do a very good job of, A, teaching the class so it's not like you're there trying to sleep through it, it's not a sleeper, and then, B, with the actual on-ice stuff as to how to kind of conduct yourself as a ref, how to work with the two-ref system. So hats off to USA Hockey there. And then, if I can chime in, that rule must make the game slow as shit. Dude, it must be confusing as fuck because now you're trying to see if someone gained the dot or if they didn't, where the draw is going to be. Like, I was like, oh, like. I, and then it just turns every offensive breakout into three or four in tight passes until you get over the blue line into the center ice. It, it makes you want to have possession coming over the blue line. Yeah. That's what it makes you want. Um, Saturday after that, I ended up meeting everybody in town. They went out for Sheena's birthday on the boat crew. So happy birthday, Sheena. And then I had a blast. We stayed in Boston for a little bit. So big shout out to Big Red, the Big Puta, Sheena, happy birthday, Slamalama Higdon. Uh, I met a couple of his awesome friends. So his buddy James from England, he is a huge Flyers fan. Like legitimately, he was shooting the shit with me about hockey and the Flyers. Said he's a Flyers fan, then a Bruins fan. But so he's going to like my pick, huh? He's going to love your pick. But he was extremely knowledgeable. It wasn't like a British guy who was just betting. He's like, oh, I think that Carter Hart's going to, you know, have a great year. And I was like, oh, that fucking accent. Like, just want to kiss you, you big, handsome British bastard. You better send that ugly tooth bastard our link to our Facebook page then, huh? I am definitely <laughs> going to send it to him. Uh, maybe Mainzy could actually like the link and yeah, actually yeah, like yeah, our Mainzie. Facebook um also met barry uh if you're looking online if you're an nfl guy and you like betting uh barry in the bets so that's his new podcast goes over weekly picks for the nfl he just i saw him saturday night we were shooting the shit about podcast told me he had the idea he actually pre-recorded but was scared to send it out i'm like dude listen to the shit me and ben first recorded not good go listen like and he was like dude thank you send it out had some picks dudes making people money so if you want to make money on sundays barry in the bets the podcast i would highly recommend it 
Benny? I like I like the name there. I like that. Well, he said he uh, wants to get some music like bu- 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 Barry in the Bets. That's perfect. Yeah, that's why I love it. <laughs> um, so for me, like we talked at the top of the show, this is my last podcast as a resident of the city of San Francisco, finally making a trip back home with the first lady. Uh, I'm not a very sentimental person to begin with, and I'm definitely not sentimental towards the city of San Francisco. But I did want to give some shout outs. Obviously, the first lady, we came out here together just over three years ago. Uh, I'm glad to say that she decided to keep me around to actually leave the city with me three years later. I uh, can't wait to get back to New York and start building things out there with her. Uh, I want to give a shout out to a couple of friends out here that made our experience and our time here in San Francisco a lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable, and a lot more, I'll put it, eye-opening than it would have been without them. So, uh, Karin, Viggy, Matt, and Charlotte, uh, thank you for all the good times. Uh, thank you to, and this is going off-brand a little bit, the Oakland days. I was a season ticket holder this year, so I had a blast spending three hours a day just by myself at the ballpark watching baseball, sitting there in solitude and thinking about everything I need to think about and enjoying a very good baseball team out here in Oakland, even if it's at a dilapidated ballpark. Um Shout out to everybody in New York. I, I know I've been talking for a long time, even like you up there in Boston, you, Mike, and everybody. Can't wait to get there, start going to Ranger games, uh, especially with Eric. Maybe you can bitch about the team together. And last but not least, it has nothing to do with New York. It has nothing to do with San Francisco. But I want to give a special second shout out because I already gave her a shout out much earlier into our podcasting episodes, but she apparently didn't hear it. Shout out to Sierra. <laughs> oh, she was chirping you about it. Yeah, on Facebook, she's like, "Where's my shout out?" So there you go. Now, if she doesn't congratulate us on this podcast, I will know she doesn't listen, and she will join the Bobo group. Yeah, she's she's relentless. Oh, I forgot Bobo was there Saturday too. So see, since he doesn't listen to the podcast, he didn't get the shout out. So yeah, here you go. <laughs> but yeah, so I wasn't a huge fan of San Francisco. Glad to be leaving, but it was a good time here, and can't wait to get started in New York. All right, well, Benny is on his way back to New York. We are going to see what the next two weeks have in store for all of us. Everybody, as always, thank you for listening. It's almost a year. I I think this is a parting gift for Benny. This was legitimately for us, at least me and him. This was a record year. Everybody, thank you. And uh, for the next two weeks, we will see what circus I bring on. We'll catch you all next week. Since you turned the tables on me I've been steady learning lonely Keeping this turntable spinning Everything from Jones to Jennings Slowly planning my survival In a three-foot stack of vinyl Since you had to walk out of here I've been having a record year I bet you thought before you left I just sit in silence by myself Turn this house into jail Dying slow in a living hell But love's got a funny way of keeping score And you're leaving lit up my scoreboard I usually make it through Saturday so All bets are off when I flip her over One bourbon, one scotch, one beer I'm having a record year Cutting notes and Hank's hand